Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, hi, hello. How are you doing? Hi, hello. I'm doing wonderful. Let's talk some Cruton. Let's talk some Cruton. Uh, as everyone knows, early signing period kicked off earlier this week. Penn State brought in one hell of a recruiting class, Nittany Lions, uh, number seven class in the country, second in the Big Ten. We wanted to talk with someone who could give us a little bit of insight into this recruiting class and knows recruiting really well from the perspective of the players. And we decided to go out and get our pal Ryan Snyder of On3 Sports. Ryan, what's going on, man? Excited to be on, guys. Sorry for making you wait uh, until after signing day. Uh, my wife would have killed me if I did another podcast or did something to you know, make her watch my children longer. <laughs> so we were maxed out the last couple of days. But I appreciate you guys uh, giving me a couple days there to regroup. And, uh, yeah, let's talk curtain, man. Let's oh, do it. Just before we get into anything, what is the, like, coffee Red Bull takeout situation like in the week of when the early signing period starts? Because I still – I don't know. I don't know if we're on video, though, but we're, I don't know if we're on video for this, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still chugging Red Bull, man. So, uh, it's, I try and limit it to one a day, but, uh, you know, during signing day, it was, you know, 12 ounces, probably two. So it's, I mean, it's really the prep up to signing day. I mean, like my last signing day is really not that bad. It's really the five days before, cause you're trying to, you know, we're always trying to do like two stories a day for a site, uh, between between the group of us and then you know just all the all the all the stuff that goes into it so I, I, yeah it sucks but it, it's fun I mean I have a good job I can't I can't complain <laughs> it was a very it was a very busy uh, couple days but it's again I have a good job yeah and fortunately this was uh, generally a pretty drama free class for Penn State in the lead up only one uh, thing happened that you know kind of came out of left field and that was Andre Roy flipping from Penn State. Uh, to Maryland, when it looked like maybe USC, but we won't get into that. But I wanted to have you on, Ryan, again, because I think you have a really good perspective on recruiting from the position of what do kids think? You talk to a lot of the recruits, they Mm -hmm. give really good insight to you. And where I want to start is this Penn State class number seven nationally, again, second in the Big Ten, one of the best in college football the kind of class that you want Penn State to have, especially on the heels of two relatively down classes. Mm-hmm. That also comes on the heels of a four and five season and a seven, five season. And I think the perception of a lot of people is recruits want to go somewhere where they can win a national championship. And the last two years are a little bit weird. So how the heck, despite these on field struggles where Penn State, again, is 11 and 10 over the last two seasons, eight and 10 in big 10 play, was James Franklin and the rest of the Penn State coaching staff able to go out and put together this kind of legitimately program-shaping class? Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with relationships, of course, and getting guys back on campus. That was huge. And, and then one thing I will say is, like, everybody looks at that 2021 class as, like, a really down class. And um, I'm going to give us a quick, like, on three plug, you know, check us out, guys. But, like, the way we do our rankings now is a little different. And if you look at the on three, they're at 18. And, you know, if you look at some of the other sites last year, they were, like, down in the 30s for that for that 2021 uh, class. And, again, it's a lot of it just has to do with the class being so small. But, like, the actual talent in that class was, was I think, a little bit better than people gave it credit for. But to answer your actual question, I mean, yeah, relationships are huge. And also getting guys back on campus is huge. Um, and then Penn State just sells, man. I mean, you know, we, 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 you guys follow Penn State because it's Penn State, you know, like it's kind of simple, at least in my opinion. I mean, guys still want to come here. Guys still want to play in front of, you know, huge fans. They still want to play in the Big Ten. Um, and then also, you know, James is good at, I think, preaching to guys that 
you know, you're going to be the next one. You're going to be the one that to make a difference for us. And I had a lot of guys talk about that through this process, especially in the last couple last month or so where, you know, oh, things were looking down and, you know, everybody, the whole fan base was down. And, you know, I would, I would talk to, I'm trying to think of one example. I think like Caden was one uh, where he's like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, part of my language, I, I don't give a shit about right now. You know, like I, I, I want to, I, I know I'm, I'm going to change that, you know, and Penn wants me to change that, you know, they, and, and I think that's just, I think, I think they do a good job of that. So, but I mean, relationships are huge and, and this staff is, is an awesome at that. They've always been awesome at that. The, the way they attack, you know, where it's not just uh, John Scott D, recruiting D lineman, but the whole defensive staff. I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, and James Franklin himself um, is, is really good at, uh, you know, just, just connecting with families and, and all that. So when you add in, what Penn State can add from an education perspective, you add in the fact that they're still one of the Blue Buds college football. Uh, and oh, by the way, they they did play in three near six bowls in the last what five six years. I mean, there's there's still uh, that wasn't that long ago. Feels like a while ago after the last two years, but it it wasn't that long ago. So you know, if things were to continue and 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 you know you you have another sub 500 season in the Big Ten, I'd be curious to see how that impacts it um, down the road. But I think so many guys just look at 2020 and they just you know they just kind of Meh, whatever. You know, they, they don't really put a lot of stock into it. So this was kind of the first year where I think a lot of guys, um, maybe I don't want to say disappointed, but maybe a little more surprised. Uh, but again, sell, man. And then they sell it better than anybody. I'll give them that. Right. I mean, you look at who, who is where is Texas A&M? They're number one in your rankings, number two, something yeah. like that. Like they didn't particularly have a great year on the field anyway. It does seem like the kind of what have you done for me lately element of this is uh, something that fans just inherently have. But when you're recruiting and selling this greater vision of what you can do on the field, what you can do off the field, what you will do in five years mm-hmm. in the NFL and 20 years as a professional, that kind of overrides, you know, uh, a a crappy nine Illinois nine overtime game against Illinois. And one thing, one thing I'll add too with that is like, you know, the big thing with this class is, is the top of the class, right? You know, the deny Dennis Sutton's, the Nick Singleton's, the Drew Allers. And if you look at those three specific recruitments, one, you have a superstar Nick Singleton, who's in state who Penn state was recruiting as a freshman. So that helps a ton. And they almost lost him. They did. They almost lost him to, and to Notre Dame. And, and, you know, fortunately I think the family, you know, kind of wanted him to stay closer to home wasn't the end all be all but I, I do think that they would prefer that and and that helped too you have you have Aller then who Yurchich got on before anybody so that's incredibly important to note I mean Yurchich was on him before anybody else and then Deny Dennis Sutton is a McDonough guy who's incredibly close with Kenny Sanders so when you look at those three things and that's how they got those guys and then you look at the rest of the class it's, it's kind of similar to what we've always seen but when you get those top tier guys uh, and I, I personally include Caden Saunders in that on three is not as high on him as, as I am. Uh, and I, I think, I think Caden is kind of in that top tier as well. Uh, but, but when you look at that, I mean, that's the difference between this class being seven and 13 or even maybe even 15, something like that. So it's, you know, the, the rest of that class isn't a whole lot different. It's getting those top tier guys and the commitment they put into those top tier guys. And, you know, your class looks a lot different than, uh, it may have would have otherwise. Yeah, so you, so Ryan, you mentioned that, uh, like you said, the top from those top tier guys, like the class really isn't that different from what we normally see from James mm-hmm. Franklin. Um, but obviously this year there are some differences, right? There are some caveats. He just got the new contract extension. He talked a lot about new facilities and just all those little things that Penn State Internet exploded talking about in the last two months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of impact did that extension and those new kind of promises kind of play on this class, do you think? Uh, I, on this class? 
I don't think it's as much as people think. I think next class is where right. it will have a bigger impact. I really do. Uh, just because these guys were, I mean, so many of these guys were in before that that talk even mattered. And and the one thing that Franklin did a really good job with was getting out in front of this before, like deny Dennis Sutton, for example. He told me that he knew this was coming before he saw anything on Twitter. Franklin reached out to him before anything started. Like, I, I, so I assume this was early September, you know, mid-September, because by the end of September, early October is when that started to take off. Uh, that's uh, That was interesting, and I think Franklin kind of knew, you know, because, I mean, we've been on this road before, you know, and, and he really got out in front of it and, and talked to guys about that, and, and I, again, that's why I don't think it had a huge impact on this class, because also the last building uh, renovation, all that, that was already kind of being put into place. Guys, they were really pushing that hard in June right. visits. Like, every guy I talked to in June was like, yeah, I love facilities, and man, I really love what they're doing. Um, you know, so that was a real emphasis that they pushed a lot in June. So uh, it, it'll really be 20, 2023, excuse me, um, that I think, you know, adding to the recruiting staff, we should see that down the road. Uh, whatever they decide to do as far as, you know, other kind of uh, expansions or whatever it may be, um, I really think it'll be the next class that's impacted more than more than 2022. Yeah. And what do you? Oh, oh sorry, go ahead, Nick. So, no, my fault. What do you? What do you kind of see as the next logical, um, like facility-based upgrade? It's a good question. Um, I was in Aluba yesterday. It's not that nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean. I don't think Halubas would be next, though. I mean, it, it works, you know. Um, it's a good question, man. I mean, the weight room thing they're doing, you know, I know Franklin was pushing hard for those training tables. And basically, training tables, like uh, like people, I think people think training tables, like where you tape up guys. It's not that. It's, uh, you know, it's more like a cafeteria kind of thing yeah. he's pushing hard for. I think that's coming. Um, you know, I know I know one thing that they'd like to really get done is, is kind of the get dorms closer to lash i mean a lot of the got so many guys stay off campus that's that's a major point that he wants to get done uh, i think that at some point they'd love to renovate beaver stadium's locker room uh, that's that's you know they they put it they they put a lot of work into the area around beaver stadium you, everybody saw the tunnel this year and kind of how they they tricked that out a little bit uh, so they definitely want to do some cosmetic stuff with beaver stadium uh, but what exactly is next, Nick? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I know there's a long list of stuff that they want to get done. I mean, there's always talk about that, uh, the QB lab. You know, I, I don't know how. Do you guys remember the QB lab? I don't know yeah, if you talk yeah. about that. I mean, that would be cool. And I know I know some quarterbacks I've talked to that, that they've talked to that about. Uh, but I also just think, man, just like expanding the staff uh, offices. Like some of the staff up there are working in like what we're – closets like you know 10 15 20 years ago mm -hmm. under paterno so i think that's like a major thing because you can't expand your staff if you don't have anywhere to put them and and you know i know i mean penn state has like a recruiting staff of eight and some of the best programs in the country have 12 to 15 recruiting and that's not talking offensive analysts defensive analysts we're talking just recruiting staff yeah. and and you know maybe they can add a little bit more but they're pretty much maxed up there in lash so i think expanding lash to the point where you can expand your staff I know that's another major thing Franklin wants to get done. Yeah, I mean, they, what's the number? Like, ever since Kirby Smart has gotten to Georgia, they've put, like, $200 million into their football program. And, like, the, you know, the kind of joke is that it's just to make a couple buildings nice, but it really is, like, all those various things that go yeah. into it. And I, I'm glad, uh, Ryan, we were able to give a little bit of insight into that. But let's mm -hmm. talk to kids. Let's talk about this Penn State recruiting class. Uh, we'll 
offense real quick, then we'll do defense real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. And starting with the offense, um, my goodness, they got themselves some game changers here, didn't they? I think so. I mean, we've said uh, – tell right. talk to me in 2024. <laughs> like, I mean, I've been down this road so many times where I'm like, this kid's going to be a superstar, and then it doesn't pan out. So, if, you know, that's, may, that's recruiting. If I may – and I understand if you don't want to answer this question. Is there one kid who you were just like, yep, that it's happening, and then for one reason or another it just didn't happen? If you, if you don't want to say, I understand, but – Man, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going on that road. I just totally have too many cool. relationships totally cool. with people. I So someone asked me the other day, we were doing our podcast with Tom Hannafin and T. Frank, and Tom asked me, hey, who's the one kid in this class that like you think sucks? And I'm like, dude, no. Dude. Like, <laughs> I, I relationships with all these guys, you know? Man, like, I Tom, can't. Tom I mean, I know, I get it. Like, I'm supposed to be a journalist. I need to, you know, but like somebody's mom is going to be calling me later, like all pissed off, you know? So I said, to, I said, Andre Roy, who I was genuinely like mixed on with Andre Roy, but uh, yeah, that's besides the point. So to get back to your question, yes, absolutely. You have a game breaking uh, running back who I absolutely think can come in and play immediately. You have Caden Saunders, who I think is incredibly unranked by un- underrated, underrated, excuse me, by on three at the moment. Uh, he will be at the Under Armour game and our scouts are going to be there. And I've been hammering it for a couple of weeks now. So they hopefully give him a good look. I didn't even mention on Drew Aller, of course, number one rated quarterback in the country. I've seen Drew play twice now. Um, he's the real deal. I love Bo Perbula, too, uh, and, and I, I will continue to hammer the fact that I think this fan base is, is uh, overlooking Bo Perbula in, in this quarterback race. So uh, I got to mention Drew, Drew Shelton, too. Uh, and Drew Shelton is an incredibly important prospect in this class. Penn State fans know that the struggles on the offensive line. I think Malik McNeil has a lot of potential, but he absolutely is going to need some time to develop. Drew Shelton is the more polished guy. And is he going to come in and play right away? No, probably not. Uh, Until I see an offensive lineman do that, I'll never predict it. But they might need him the following year. And and when you you look at, you know, just kind of who's there and and the fact that they're kind of recruiting over guys, it feels like they're – I just get the impression that Trout Wine might be, might be a little concerned about his room. So, you know, I think Drew Shelton's an incredibly important prospect in this class. But, yeah, man, just, just a stacked class with uh, four, potentially five receivers, depending on what happens with Christian. I think Christian will play defense. But, um, you know, J.B. Nelson's another guy who's incredibly important, kind of underrated. You know, he's finally, uh, you know, getting the credit as being a top junior college guy. Jerry Cross, of course, has a ton of potential. We can go on and on. I know you want to talk about these guys. But, uh, yeah, the guy – Guys at the top, the the Cadens, the the Allers, the Singletons, uh, they have to be difference makers for this program. They absolutely have to be. Real quick, just because you mentioned offensive linemen, gun to your head, Alex Birchmeyer, first year player or no? <sighs> no, I'll, until I see it, no, no. Uh, but I mean, he's incredible. I mean, he's the best offensive line pro. I mean. You know, Landon Tangwell is a heck of a heck of a prospect, too. And and I haven't seen Alex up close yet, uh, not in like a, you know, a game setting yet. So I just I'm hesitant. I did get to see Landon a little bit you know, coming through the years. So, you know, I'd like to see out, but I know he's incredible. You know, I know obviously the film's incredible. Everything stacks up there. Um, so hopefully because they're going to they're going to need him. And Nick, you know, I'll, I'll ask you the exact same question that we just asked Ryan. Like, what are your just kind of broad for those who don't know, if you saw those videos we did on Twitter, Nick did every single one of those on his own, so he probably watched more film of the recruits than he has in quite a while. Nick, what are just kind of your broad thoughts on this Penn State recruiting, offensive recruiting class, rather? Yeah, I won't I won't rehash too much of what Ryan said. Um, I will say the one thing, Nick Singleton is like 
watching Nick Singleton play football, I, I, there is literally impossible for me to see anything other than massive success when I see him touch the football. Um, but then I think the one guy I'll touch on, I'm really, really fascinated to see, to watch Amari Evans's career play out because I, I really love when they take, um, I really love when they take anybody who's just they're really, they're just taking them purely as an athlete and thinking about what they can do with them. But this kid played quarterback for two years or just this last, I don't know exactly how long he, three years. Okay. At least the last two years he played. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the fact that they're willing to take this kid who played primarily read option quarterback and mold him as a wide receiver in a class that like there's a legitimate talent here. Like they could have gone after more highly ranked kids instead. And they zeroed in on him and they chose him. So I love when they, I love when they do that. And I think they've proven that we can trust the staff on those evaluations on those type of kids. So I think he's one I'm really excited for personally. Yeah. And Ryan, you mentioned quarterbacks a minute ago, and obviously we have drew our, uh, you know, I think you as the fan base is like the guy, the one that's been the missing piece and all this blah, 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 blah. And then you mentioned Bo Prabula, which it's, it seemed to be a pretty common sentiment among you uh, and just other people who handle recruiting that if everyone is handing the job to Drew Auer, they're go like that's not necessarily uh, the best move. Can you go through these quarterbacks where they're similar, where they're different, how being in this class uh, and competing with one another is going to be the best thing both for themselves moving forward and for Penn State football? Yeah, so I've watched Bo more than any player in this class, and it helps that he's in Central York. So <laughs> there's not too many guys close to State College, right? So if I can uh, drive down and drive back in the night, it's nice. Um, with Bo, I mean, he's 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 definitely the better athlete than Drew. Uh, and but Drew's a good athlete. Don't be wrong. I mean, Drew runs about a four nine. Bo runs about a four seven ish. Uh, and then shuttle wise, uh, Bo's around a four, four. I think Bo was a four three, four four. It was a really good shuttle time. And then uh, Drew was like a four six, I want to say. Um, so you know, not that those numbers mean everything, but I mean, Bo. I think I think Bo can definitely uh, move a little bit better. But Drew absolutely has the arm strength over him. Uh, and even to some degree, the accuracy, too, although I do think Bo's more accurate than people give it credit for. I mean, the Bo's, the whole thing with Bo is just the arm strength thing. And, you know, it's not about throwing the ball 40, out, 40 yards down the field. He can do that. Uh, it's it's really about zipping the ball into those tight windows. And, you know, he just doesn't always have that zip. And, and I really saw that at the Elite 11 camp uh, where he was really good that day, but just sacking up against a couple of the other guys in the region. Um, you, you could you could see something there. But I mean, that's not every, you know, Tracer Surly had a lot of similarities to Bo. And I, I hate using that because it's so easy to use. But there are a lot of similarities between those two. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Aller definitely has the better technique. Um, I would say f- football IQ wise, I kind of lean toward Bo a little bit. I mean, Bo completed 70 percent of his passes this year. He had a he was between a five game stretch, he completed 87% of his passes this year. And, and one of those games was they were heavy on like the shuffle pass. And like, I was actually at that game with Dallas town. They did that a good couple of times, just because they saw that Dallas town struggled with jet sweeps. And they actually thought that handing off was, you know, would cause a fumble more than the shuffle pass, but you know, so I'm trying to like give, uh, 
you know, some background on how his completion percentage got that high. But I did watch some of the other games, too. And then, you know, he's generally throwing the ball as it is. But, uh, you know, man, whenever you have an 87 percent completion rate, I mean, you're, you're making you're making awesome decisions. And he always makes great decisions with his feet too. always just getting positive yards. Like you really see him get sacked. He's if he's under pressure, he's getting, you know, three, four yards out of it instead of a, a five yard loss. So that's one thing I always stand out about Bo. Um, although Drew, Drew does. Drew, Drew does a pretty good job with that too. So I, I, James said the other day that he thinks there's more similarities between the two than not. And I, and I would tend to agree. Um, I would definitely say that uh, Aller's definitely more polished. You can tell he's been working with quarterback coaches more, although Gary Yonchich is awesome. I don't want to take that as a shot at Gary, but uh, it's just going to be a good battle between these guys there. And a couple things I've like, they're very similar. Like they're, they're very like not about me, you know, very, very much team guys, which I love. Uh, and, and just their, their demeanors, they're, they're very similar guys, kind of quiet, you know, they're fine to sit a year, you know, I, that's when people were going crazy about Sean Clifford coming back. I thought that was so silly. I mean, you have a six year guy now that's going to be able to teach these guys. And it's not like Drew's going to say, screw this. I'm out of here. You know, Sean Clifford's come back. He, he welcomes that. So It'll be interesting, man. Um, but I mean, I definitely feel like, yeah, Drew deserves to be considered the better prospect. Uh, but Bo Perbule is a winner and you need guys uh, like that to push Drew Aller and maybe win out the job someday. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And let's, let's, let's not sleep on Veyu too. I mean, he right, was exactly. Good so like the, the entire room, it seems like, you know, I, I, this isn't meant to be a shot at any kid from the past or anything like that, but it seems like, all four guys that are in the room, like I think we, I, I think barring something crazy, you know, Sean Clifford's the starting quarterback next year, but everyone in that room seems super excited to compete against and learn from one another. Mm -hmm. And it just seems everyone is wired in such a similar way. Is that a, that a fair assessment? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think Veyu actually has a lot of similarities to Bo and, and Drew as well, as far as like, it's not all about me. It's about the team. I'm willing to do what it is. Um, now, of course, we'll see in two years with the transfer portal. <laughs> Watch the wall be gone. You know what I mean? That, that'll look stupid probably in two years. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I do would agree with that assessment. Yes. One one thing thinking about kind of that four the four quarterback room right now and thinking about the fact that Aller and Prabula both are more than likely probably going to end up redshirting next year. Does that have any sort of impact as far as future quarterback recruiting, specifically 2023, obviously, knowing that those guys are. <laughs> I mean, college football, like all likelihood, like the chances any quarterback is at one school for four years is probably slim at this point. Yeah. But does do you think that will have any effects going forward? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to get Dante Moore when you have Drew Aller in the room. I mean, yeah. Drew, Dante pays attention to this stuff incredibly closely and he has. He knows that Michigan needs an all star of a quarterback. Yes, they have McCarthy, but, you know, there's a little bit of an age gap there. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I I see. I personally, I think Dante's going to head to Michigan. I I, I I just that's what that's what I read right now, at least. So, uh, Jaden Rashado will be the guy to watch, I think. Um, and and you know, with him, Penn State's incredibly high on him. He doesn't have every offer in the world. Uh, Old Miss is definitely in the mix. Uh, I'll be curious to see. I mean, he's a California prospect, so it's. It'll be interesting to see how many times he's able to get out here. If he can get to a junior day, I think in January or, or early March, uh, it'll really give us a good feel um, that he's serious about Penn State. I, I mean, the fact that he already came twice means he's serious. But uh, to get out here pretty pretty soon in the 2023, when that's the focus, uh, will mean a lot. But yeah, I mean, when you when you have a, a number one quarterback, th those guys watch that. You know, they're they're absolutely going to look at that, and yeah, it will make your job a little harder for sure. Yeah. All right. So kind of 
put the bow on the offensive part of this class. If you had to pick one offensive player in the 2022 class who is just your favorite for whatever reason, who would it be? Uh, it has to be Nick Singleton, right? I mean, you were just talking about his film, which, by the way, those graphics you made were pretty awesome. I got to be oh, honest. Thank you. They were awesome. Um, I'm going to steal them from you guys next year. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, go, yeah. go, go ahead. Just uh, we'll get you in touch with our lawyers. Okay, that's fine. Oh, yeah, we can do that. I don't. I don't think we have lawyers, but we can figure something <laughs> yeah. out. We're, they're all. We're all bloggers. Every blogger. I don't have lawyer. deep pockets myself. I have <laughs> other people, no other. But not me. Um, I mean, Drew. I mean, Nick's the easy pick just because of how consistent he's been. I mean, since the guy ran for like 1,300 yards as a 14-year-old. You know, <laughs> like he is incredible. So, I mean, I, I do think he's the easy pick, but uh, Amari is another one you said earlier. I think Tyler Johnson, too, is a guy who's like plays for a small school and, and you know, out in, you know, was it southwestern Virginia and uh, just, just put up in crazy numbers. I mean, his his COVID year was 13 touchdowns on 25 receptions. Think about that for a second. And it also was like a thousand yards. <laughs> like it was crazy. Uh, for, uh, it was, it was, I think it was eight, 800 yards, something like that. It was just like crazy numbers for 25 receptions. Uh, but then I, I always think that's just the guys that come to camp and Penn state knows like what they're getting for. They're, they do tend to pan out pretty well. I wish I had the stats on me, but I did do a story on that uh, a couple months ago and like, look at who camped and like some of the younger, you know, some of the guys who were underrated, but they camped and then they pan out pretty well. Uh, so just, you know, he, he, he fits that, uh, that mold. So a lot of guys, man, I think JB Nelson, someone who can come in and play too. I know, I know you want a one guy, but like, it's, mm. it's hard. I mean, well, Nick would definitely be the guy, but there are some guys here who I think are being slept on a good bit. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with JB, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make this sound mean or anything like that, but Penn State does has gotten a lot of offensive linemen for Lackawanna, but we've seen how hard that transition could be going from mm-hmm. JUCO to uh, to Power Five. The fact that like you're putting that out there, like it makes me raise my eyebrows, but in, like a very excited way. I, I would I would say that he's better. He's the best prospect of the three, Anthony Wiggin and Paris Palmer. Yeah, I, I'm confident in that. Uh, and because we didn't know, like we didn't know, we didn't know what to watch for last year. There was no, there was nothing, there was no film, you know, it was, it was yeah. two games. And even those two games were against like opponents. They should have been really been playing. It just, it, he got nothing out of that. And then when he comes to camp, first off, he crushed it in camp. I mean, put up some awesome numbers. He ran like a four, four, seven shuttle at like 320 wow. pounds. Like it was an awesome number. It was like, I mean, I think as soon as he did that, Trout one basically offered. Uh, and then just he got better and better and better throughout the year. I mean, he deserves to be considered one of the best junior college prospects in the country. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, and he's also like physically, he's he's by far stronger than what Paris and uh, Wigan were uh, mm. coming. At least I, I was told that. I don't I don't have the uh, right. strength. But that's something that, that Penn State people have told me, that he's definitely uh, physically in a better position than – especially like what Wigan was because it definitely took Wigan some time um, to get up to, to that standard. So I don't know if Nelson can start right away, but he has to provide depth and competition. That has to happen next year, and there's no doubt about that. And he'll be here next month, so that's good. Okay. I thought you were going to say he ran a four seven forty, and I was prepared to fall right no, out. No four of seven chair. shuttle. Four seven. Did I, did I say shuttle? It was no, you, four seven you, shuttle. you said shuttle, yeah. but you said four seven, and I was like, oh, please say forty. Please no, say forty. No, no, no. That was like a five one forty. Okay. Uh, still good. Still not bad at three twenty. Yeah. I mean, that's still pretty good. But the shuttle. Real, real quick, before we move on, every high school statistic you can read out gets better when you include their age with it. Like yeah, you that's said. Good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So moving to the defensive side of the football, I mean, Penn State has 
one kid who uh, is in the top 200 of on threes uh, recruiting rankings on that side of the ball and denied Dennis Sutton. Uh, but you look through a lot of four-star talent. You know, Penn State, I think, is generally pretty good of when they're going to take a swing on a take a swing on a three-star kid. It's a kid that they legitimately think they can mold into something that helps their program, Ryan. Again, just it seems like a very solid group from top to bottom with a lot of guys who you mentioned – uh, having caution, you never want to anoint a kid before they get on campus, all that. But you could see paths to basically every kid in this class uh, contributing in one way or another down the line. Yeah. Um, okay, denies absolutely the stud of the defensive side. We all know that. I mean, we can talk about him uh, if you want. But, like, the two guys who are remain underrated are, are certainly Abdul Carter and certainly K.J. Winston. Um I, I mean, I, this is no disrespect to Christian Driver or Makai Flowers, but I think KJ Winston is a better prospect than both, and and both are rated higher than him. So that's that's a guy who I've been pushing to them hard. And don't be wrong, I mean Driver and and Makai are both good prospects, but I just think Winston is incredibly being slept on. Abdul Carter, you might be, you want to talk about numbers? I mean, you guys follow this closely. You know, you should know these numbers by now. A four five forty and a four four shuttle at two hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, my God. And by the way, he broad jumped like ten five, like. I mean, I don't know about you guys, like his his broad jump, it was crazy. Like the explosion behind that was just nuts. So and then like Penn State, I mean, going, you know, before he camped, like Penn State was like, ah, we like him. We're just not 100 percent sure. And as soon as he camped, it was like, yo, whatever we got to do, we got to get this guy. So, um, you know, Abdul Carter is definitely one of those guys who's incredibly explosive, can rush off the edge. I do think long term, I, I think maybe as an edge rusher would be best, but uh, they are going to need help a linebacker. You know, we just saw Brandon Smith leave, and and you know, I I I asked people the other day, who who are the guys I need to have on my early, you know, can can contribute early list, and Carter and Winston were the two guys defensively, and I didn't know if that they would that would be the route that they go, uh, but but I, I think that that speaks highly on on what Lash Building thinks of those guys. But yeah, there's a lot of guys underneath it. I mean, I think Caleb Artis has a lot of potential. Definitely going to need some time. Uh, to, to be molded. Um, I think Keon Wiley is an incredibly impressive prospect. Uh, I, I just like every time I see Keon, like he just doesn't always like he he makes incredible plays and then he takes some plays off, too. And I'm always like, you know, I try not to overthink that because all these guys take plays off. They're all superstars. They all take the plays off. But sometimes I'm just like, Keon, if you just give it everything you got every play, dude, he, he'd I mean, he had 33 sacks for his career. Right. The guy probably could have 50 if, if he just got after it a little bit harder. Um, so I'll just be curious to see if Penn State's able to bring that out of him. Uh, and he will be a linebacker, not a defensive end for them. But um, we can go on and on. You want to talk about Zane Durant? I mean, he's another incredible prospect. Well, th- that's the, he's, that's the he's thing. He's the one I, that I really want to talk about. Yeah, okay. I, I, was, I was going to present this question to Nick and just get his broad thoughts. But then I realized that the better question to ask Nick was, Nick, do you want to talk about any this class like as a whole, or do you just want to go on and on about Zane Durant? So like whatever you want to he do. Is, he is so fascinating to me because I feel like every time somebody in the recruiting in- industry talks about him, I feel like the talk always sounds like you would think you're, they're talking about like a top 40 kid. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like his rankings have kind of like remained where they are, like that borderline high three-star, low four-star range. So I'm just, I'm yeah. curious what you think about him. I think he's a ball of power. Like, that's just what it is. Like, he's 6'1", 255, could probably bench me, you know, like, <laughs> he's, well, he definitely could bench my weight, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, yeah. he's just, he's incredibly strong. And, you know, he played a lot of defensive end, uh, so I'd just be curious to see what happens when he moves down. I would think, like, 
At 6'1", 255, like, where's he going to – I'm just – I'm curious if he'd be a three or one. Like, one kind of makes sense, but, like, I've never really heard him being about a one. So I'm just I'm just curious to see where Penn State uses him. But um, I, I think he's definitely the more polished of the defensive linemen when it comes to technique and things of that sort. Uh, and and you know he plays good he plays good competition in Orlando too. I mean there's Orlando's not Miami, but it's there's there's some good teams there. He's he's not playing uh, you know the one double you know one A teams or something like that you know compared to PA. But yeah, I like him a lot. I mean he's not a guy I got to see in person, so I, I can't just like rave about him like I have some of these other guys. But uh, you know I know Penn State loves him, and I know they're very happy they kept him in the fold. And I know he's very happy Manny Diaz is here too, so it should work out well. Kind of along the lines of that, because you mentioned figuring out where he fits on the defensive line. And I'm talking about the highest rated guys in the class is somewhat boring because we hear the most about them. But deny Dennis Sutton, do you see him? I, I feel like a lot of the general consensus is that he could be another kind of the mold of Etor Grossmatos and kick inside on third down, stuff like yeah. that. Do you think that's something that he'll end up doing? Yeah, I do. I, do. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a defensive tackle period mm. down the road. I mean, he just because his skill set kind of fits it better. Like he's not... Like, Penn State always wants that speed off the edge, right? Uh, yeah. And he, he, that's not what he brings. I mean, he runs like a 5-1-40. You know, like, he's not he's not running guys down. Like, quarterbacks can absolutely outrun him in the Big Ten. Um, but he's incredibly strong, and his hands are really good. And he has that length, too. You know, like, he's he's a genuine 6-5-2-60-ish, I want to say. Uh, and he should, you know, add another inch or two, too. So I, I, I do think it's possible. Possible. Uh, now, I don't get me wrong. He's going to start at defensive end, and we we always just have to see how these guys grow and progress. But I wouldn't be surprised if they kicked him inside, especially if they can have another uh, good defensive end class in in the years to come. You know, he he definitely makes sense for someone who could who could bump in. Gotcha. Um, the other guy I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, and you did talk about him a little bit already, but I want to talk about KJ Winston a little more, mm-hmm. um, especially because he just got named the all def- the defensive team all met player, um, which if you are familiar with the DMV area at all is that's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's wild. Um, I don't know. What, what is it about his game that you are so infatuated with? So I think the thing with KJ is like, KJ's not a burner, you know, he, he runs like a genuine, like high four, seven ish. And, you know, which isn't bad. Like, I think people think like, if you're not a four, low four, six, high, you know, four, five, like you're slow. And like Penn State's always trying to find like four, seven and under. Like that's what they're trying to find for their skill guys. Uh, but the thing with KJ is like he plays incredibly smart. Like his pursuit routes are awesome. Like I'll put his pursuit routes up against anybody else in this class. And, you know, that's a big part of it. Just being smart and knowing, you know, knowing the angle you got to take. Because that that's, guys, believe it or not, it, it takes time for some guys to learn that stuff. Um, you know, he's a pretty good tackler. I'd say he's probably, a, probably one of the better tacklers of the defensive back group. And um, he's just a game changer. And I know, like, his, what he does on offense doesn't matter for Penn, Penn State. But, like, the two times I've seen him, he just takes over games offensively, defensively, whatever it is. He's the, always the guy making the big play. And he plays at the Matha. Like, there are other guys on that field who can take – you can make the play. So, like, I just – I refer to him as the alpha. You know, like, he is the guy – who's always making a difference. And when you're the alpha on an alpha team like DeMatha, like that always just kind of grabs my attention. I mean, I, I watched him play Emotep and he made all the big, you know, the 40 yard catch that they had to have on third and 15. You know, he made, you know, the 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 stop at the goal line when Emotep was almost going to go up two scores. Like there were just so many big moments uh, where he took over in that game and he's done it all throughout the season. So that that's just what grabs my attention. I really liked what you mentioned about um, kind of his the routes he takes to the ball as a defender. 
it seems like for Penn State or and teams like Penn State, when you're when you're looking for kind of those under the radar guys, it, it, they fall into one of two buckets. It's either like that receiver defensive back type that maybe isn't as uh, athletically gifted, but runs really savvy routes or takes really good routes to ball carriers. Or you get the guys that are just balls of athletic clay that you can do whatever you want with. Yeah, it seems like more often than not. It's the guys like and I my one of my favorite examples, he wasn't a low three star or anything, but Jahan Dotson. Like I remember I saw Jahan Dotson at camp in uh, the Nike camp in um, New Jersey, and he was far from the most athletic guy there. But his routes were so crisp and so clean and everything about that was so just on point, I guess, kind of from your perspective, what do they what does Penn State really value more when they're looking for those under the radar guys? Do they, are they looking for those guys that seem to have that? that really high football IQ or are they really going after more of those athletes? It's like a Walter Cronkite question, man. I don't know. Like, that's a <laughs> tough one. I don't know. I mean, I, I would just say everyone's different, you know, like there's, I wouldn't say it's, it's, just, it's kind of a gray answer. Um, I mean, with Dotson, I, I get what you're saying there. Um, and we did. And that's not getting, a great example. Cause, you yeah, know, cause we, he obviously had other. We, too. we, we ended up getting more testing numbers on Dotson down the road and realized he's faster than what we thought at the time. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, football IQ is incredibly important. Uh, I would definitely say that. Um, but it's, I, I just don't know if I have a real good answer for you there. I mean, I, I can yeah, point to fair, one fair. example here. I can point to another example here and another one somewhere else. And, and they look totally different. So right, right. I, I think a lot of it goes into just kind of, uh, the conversations that they have with coaches and knowing like, Hey, here's your weaknesses. But like, these are, that's not something I will see, you know, it's something more of a coach would see. Um, and it's something that can be fixed. And, you know, Penn state knows that they can fix one of these two weaknesses. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, things that aren't uh, physical. Uh, I think that that plays a big part in it. Well, we were, Oh, you want to say something, Victor? Me? No, I'm drinking a Red Bull. You say whatever you want. Go on. Yeah, that was me going on to mute so you can talk. <laughs> ah, okay, there we go. Well, that's also it for this episode of the pod. We said we were going to do about half an hour. We went a little bit over that. So, Ryan, thank you very much. We're appreciative of your time. Plug whatever you want, man. Hey, yeah, just uh, we appreciate everybody who signed up um, for us, man. Um, it's a dollar subscription right now. And when we left Rivals, I had no idea. You know, I knew, you know, I knew the, the recruit Knicks would come with, but, like, I never, ever, ever – uh, thought we'd be where we are right now in, uh, what is it, 48 days for us. So just appreciate everybody. Uh, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, you know, part of On3. On3 is going to be awesome network. And, Nick, I've talked to you about, you know, some of the things that we have planned. Um, and, you know, all you got to do is just kind of follow our network and, and some of the, the profiles coming out. Uh, it should be really, really good for a lot of different reasons, man. NIL is going to be a major part of it. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a lot of good things planned that I think fans are going to love. Our database is going to be incredibly deep. But, same old, same old for BWI, man. Just, just trying to to get a lot of content out there, and and for me, just just getting good good recruiting content for fans. So, dollar subscription, guys. It's gonna run out soon. Take advantage of it. We appreciate it more than anything. Yes, I could speak as someone who has paid that dollar. It's absolutely been worth it, and it's also only been like like Ryan mentioned, a month and a half of me using it. So, I've enjoyed it. I hope all appreciate of you enjoy it. it. And I hope everyone listening has enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Thanks again to Ryan for popping on. Thank you to all of you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing wherever you go and get your podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. Keep reading and supporting the site. The best way to do that is to make sure you're purchasing some t-shirts and make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.